This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, welcome. <laughs> You've been here for quite a long time already. <laughs> uh, Dad, Mom, I love you much. Thank you for everything that uh, you've meant to me, sis, our children, and even our grandchildren. You know, when I met Jesus, I was 17 years old, walked for the first time into church, and um, saw Pastor Theo coming onto the platform and speaking in tongues, and my first thought was, what's this guy doing? He's, he's trying to show everyone that he's learned Hebrew, you know, at university. <laughs> And then he taught me how to pray. So now I'm praying in tongues and I hear what God is saying because Pastor Theo taught me how to do that. And him and dad, mom, you've deposited so much into our lives. Yes, um, since then, from 17, I got married. I'm 33 years married to the same wife. We've got uh, three beautiful children and two great grandsons. And because you came into our lives, they are experiencing the goodness of the Lord. So thank you so much. Love you much. Thank you. <clears throat> you may be seated. Thank you, family. I pray that you will experience the atmosphere of heaven in this place while I'm ministering the word. Jesus receives all the glory and he's making everything possible what we are experiencing in this conference. It wasn't for Jesus, nothing of this would have happened. So it's all in Jesus. So we give him, let's give Jesus a praise offering. Amen. Now it's obvious that God is raising up a powerful army. It's obvious that God is handing out marching orders. It's obvious that God is drawing his people into the secret place like never before. The secret place is our most important place. The secret place is where everything happens. That's where conception takes place. That's where intimacy is just being grown and just taking place and, you know, and birthings take place. The secret place is what matters the most today. I want to say to you today that God is shifting his body into a place where we have never and would never have a a reference point in history. Our reference point will be our intimate relationship with Jesus, what he's instructing us to do and living out of that space. So many people has been displaced, displaced in their emotions, displaced in their focus, displaced in their desires, displaced in their associations, displaced in life, that they are actually lost, and, but they know Jesus. The thing is today, when we meet the Lord at salvation, we get the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit gets us with our surrendering to Him. So many, you know, we, we as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit, but the big question is, does the Holy Spirit have us? <laughs> thing is, we carry the Holy Spirit, it's our inheritance to have the Holy Spirit in our lives because we are under the blood of the Lamb and we are, we are uh, uh, in covenant with the Lord. But 
does the Holy Spirit carry us? And God is raising up a people that will live out their ministry out of their relationship with the Lord and nothing else. Our ministry is our relationship with God. I don't know about you, but in my life, I've known now, as you, as you heard, the Lord now for 37 years. I've never experienced the intensity of God's spirit in my life like I'm experiencing it today. It's changing. The atmosphere is changing. The environment in my life is changing. The demand of what God is wanting to do in my life is shifting. God is repositioning me. God is doing things in my life which is inexplicable. Why? Because I'm surrendering more. I'm giving more of myself. I'm becoming less and he's becoming more. God is raising up an army that will have one motive alone that would be to reveal his heart. We are being shifted and moved into God's heart beating season. So when we speak, you'll hear the heart of God. When we look, you'll see the heart of God. When we listen, we will pick up the heart of God. When we walk, we will walk on the territories where God is sending us to. I wanna say to you, many Christians have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit does not have them. Many people are moving into places where the Holy Spirit does not want to be. Many people are looking at things which the Holy Spirit does not want to look at. Many people are listening to things, Christians that have the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't want to listen to it. He's holy. That's why he's called the Holy Ghost. You see, we have a description about Jesus. When you think about the Father, you can think about an image. When you think about the Son, I've seen Jesus myself a few times in my intimate time with him. I think about an image, I think about a person. But the Holy Spirit is a person too. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. The Holy Spirit doesn't give a description about himself because you are his body. (laughs) You look like him or you should look like him. So that we cannot operate in that space if we don't live on the cutting edge of life. We cannot be comfortable and want to stay comfortable and pay any price to stay comfortable and protected and think we're going to experience the action which God wants us to experience and think we will advance if we live that way. God is on the move. There's a harvest out there that needs to come into the kingdom. And so if we don't act, we will be responsible for the greatest genocide this planet has ever seen. God is on the move. I don't know about you, but I want to engage in him. I don't want him to engage in me. The thing is, 
God is restoring the cutting edge of life. I love what Pastor Darby said. I see God literally putting his hand under the chin of his people. Some has made mistakes, you've bowed your head in shame. God says, get rid of that shame. I've paid for you. I've bought you with a high price. It's now your time to know that you've been forgiven. I'm restoring you. Stand up in your call and be everything I've called you to be. God is raising up your head. Don't allow your past to hold you back. Like mom said, drop the baggage. You see, but for us to move into our future and not to be driven by our past, but to be pulled into our future, the core capacity to access the field of the future is His presence. We cannot move forward without participating, practicing, we, we, sorry, we cannot move forward without participating of the living and living on the edge of life. Being on the cutting edge means to be on top of things. To be on the cutting edge means to be where the action is. I wonder how many Christians are where the action is. Other words for cutting edge is high tech. It means to be the state of the art. I wonder how many Christians look like the state of the art. <laughs> it means to be with it. It means to be on the knife edge. It means to be world class. It means to do groundbreaking work. It means to move into territories that has not been conquered before. It means to be on the leading edge. It means to be pioneering. It means to be on point and innovative. And today I want to say to each and every one of you under the sound of my voice that the Word of God is on the cutting edge. It's meant to be where the action is. The Word of God is state of the art. It's the highest technology we would ever find anywhere. You cannot find greater technology at the Apple store. Samsung cannot create greater technology. The highest state of the art technology is the Word of God. And then I want to say this to you the Word of God doesn't need tweaking to make it work, it doesn't need compromise to produce birthings, it doesn't need to be fashioned or adjusted. The word is spirit. And the Bible says it is alive. And the Bible teaches us it's a person. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to the earth in an earth suit. He was the living word on this earth. And he revealed the, the heart of the Father. This person we are talking about, the word is all-knowing. He's omnipresent and he's all-powerful. There is no technology in the cosmos, never mind even the planet, in the universe that exists, that comes close to any performance, to any power the word can produce. 
It's the most, it's the most effective weapon in our arsenal. But has the word become real to you? The man that wanted to debate with me where the word comes from. Now it's been created in Egypt. I said to you, I don't want to debate with you where the word comes from. Let me tell you what the word, what the word created in my life. <laughs> because I work the word and when you work the word, the word works for you. That's how it works. That's how it works. But you need to become one with the word. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 and 13 says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. I wanna say to you today that the word is a person and this person is bent over to its creation primarily for relationship, for full union, for intertwinement, for oneness. In relationship with the Lord in our secret place with him. I wanna say to you today, there are many people here with private struggles. Take your private struggles to the secret place and see it fade and you're becoming totally free. The secret place is your most important place. Start lingering in that secret place. Start staying a little bit longer than usual in that secret place. Start just, start just falling asleep even in that, in that uh, secret place, but stay in His presence and see what the Lord will birth in your life in this time. We are in God's heart beating season. You see, in, re in relationship with God, vision comes. And we start seeing things from his perspective. And then the future starts pulling us into a certain direction, into the direction that God has prepared for us before time began. See, in Acts chapter 17, 28, in the New Living Translation, the word of God says, it's in him that I live. <laughs> it's in him that I move. And then I love the New Living Translation. It actually says, it's in him that I only really exist. So if I'm not in him, I don't even exist. I don't even have significance. <laughs> I don't even have value. <laughs> I have nothing without him. I'm nothing, nothing. I truly only exist in him. That's where I exist. So there's two sides to, two sides to the coin. <laughs> ah, where am I going to now? Oh. So I'm gonna shock a few of you here. That's okay, I'm used to, oh, people get used to that. So. And they in mind. Okay. I wanna say this to you, but just give me a, a moment to explain myself afterwards. Please don't start throwing stones, okay? <laughs> Knowing in our hearts the covenant we have with him is not enough to live on the cutting edge. 
knowing that he has a plan for our lives, and we all know Jeremiah 29 verse 11, he's not alone. <laughs> knowing that he's a gracious God, he's not enough. Knowing all the promises of God, and know that he's a God that blesses, it's not enough. And this which I just mentioned, this is all about having an understanding, of course, that the presence of God lives in us, yes, and for sure. That's where the Holy Spirit directs us. He comes and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's true. But there is another upgraded position that exists that allows us to experience life on the cutting edge. Where we experience the dangers of life, but then also the protection of God. Where we experience where we may be exposed to dangers because we are obedient to God and we trust Him so much that we are willing to be vulnerable. But then He comes through for us. Things really start to shift. Give me just a brief moment. <laughs> There's a higher dimension, you see, that will take our relationship with the Lord to a more intimate and active, vibrant, and I wanna say to you today, an expressive level. God is putting a demand on his inheritance that he's got in you. We know that God has an inheritance for us, for sure, we're in covenant, but God has got an inheritance in you. God has invested in you. God has a tailor plan, tailor blueprint for you. We can know all this and understand all this. But there is another upgraded dimension that exists which we can upgrade to. We need to live in him also as he lives in us. I've lost you. I'll, I'll try and explain. We need to come to that place where we reveal his heartbeat. You see, Jesus prays an eternal prayer in John chapter 17 an eternal prayer. He prays for his disciples and he prays for the ones that follow. So that's me and you. He says, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, I am in you. Father, that I am in you and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. The world will only really know us when we have unity. When we are one. Okay, let me go on. That's sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Now, let's just read it again. John chapter 17, 21, Jesus prays, he says, I pray that you will be, will, that they will be one, just as you and I are one. Now, one is a cardinal number. One is the half of two. That's easy, eh? Which means there's only room for one person in our relationship with God. It's only him, okay? Question is, who is it gonna be, me or him? 
And then he goes on to say, as you are in me, Father, I am in you. In, in Hebrew means it, we rise to our highest level, to the expression of inclusion or involvement, expressing movement with the result that someone or something becomes enclosed or surrounded by something else, expressing literally our arrival at our destination. When I live in the anointing that God has placed on my life and I live and move and breathe in Him and exist in Him, I'm already in my destination. I'm already there. Now, many Christians I know live in fear, live in opinions, live in comparison, live in fame, live in competition, live in judgment, live in religion, live in selfishness, even live in bondage. If you look at David, David popped up on the radar of heaven. How did he pop up on the radar of heaven? We, we find this in 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9. In the New American Standard Bible, it says, For the eyes of the Lord move, move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. You see, there's a radar in heaven. It goes, I don't see any blips. Radar, uh, uh, David was out in the wilderness playing the harp. At the age of 15, God chose him to be the king of Israel because he, he had his hand on the harp. He worshiped God. He adored God. He wasn't in the wilderness confessing to become king. He only had his hand on the harp. That was the, the difference between Saul and David. Saul gripped his spear, fear grips. That's good. David played the melody, adoring God for who he is, not for what he can give. <laughs> he lived in God. In him, I live and move, I adore you for who you are. I seek you for who you are. I need you for who you are, not for what you can give me. Praise God, we've already been given everything. So we can praise him for that and we can worship him for that, but let's praise and worship him for who he is. <laughs> okay, okay, let me go on, okay. Now, you see, God will come, when Jesus comes back, he'll, he'll come as we've learned to see if, if he finds faith. But faith without works is dead. So we need to be where the action is. Otherwise, we're not in faith. We just talk about it. You see, my faith puts God in touch with my needs. And yes, he meets my needs. But my faith does not necessarily put me in touch with his heart. I'm going over the top here. I wanna use my faith to know what's in his heart. I want to live close enough to God to know when he's grieved, to know what he's not, what's not pleasing in his sight to know which associations I'm in that's displeasing to him, to know that 
where my mind is, is pleasing or displeasing to him. That's how close God wants us to live. We are in a season of intertwinement with God. One. There's only room for one. And that's God. Now, I have to go quickly. And then Jesus goes on, he says, and may they be in us so that the world, which what is the world, the inhabitants of the earth, the human family on earth, will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory, the doxa, means my view, my opinion, my estimate about someone. It also means magnificent splendor and so forth. It means also that they now belong to God, to Christ, in his most glorious condition. You gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and they are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So Jesus talks about two locations here. He says, him in us and we in him. It's not the same thing at all. Our minds and inward person is here and also in heavenly places at the same time because I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's what the word says, okay? Mindsets get shaped by our spiritual geographical location. Now, when God is in me, listen to this, it's for my benefit. It's for my desires. What I trust God for. When I'm in God, it's for His benefit. It's about His desires. Oh, man. What He trusts me for. Listen, I'm not, I'll, I'll, I'll try and explain it from this angle. Most people live this way. God is in me, and He's going to do this through me. There is, however, another spiritual location with this mindset. I live in God, and He lives in me, and I'm going to do this with God. Let me say it this way. Him living in me, Him living in us, is His commitment to us. It's His responsibility. Us living in Him is our responsibility. It's my commitment to Him. If I draw near to God, He will draw near to me. It's my responsibility to go to my secret place. It's my responsibility to clean out my life. It's my responsibility to evict pet demons in my life that doesn't have any space in my life. That's my responsibility. It's all about what's in God's heart, what I need to get and need to find. Listen, there's a, in closing, I've got three minutes. There's a strange king. Have you caught this? I'm trying to, you know, just like... All the other previous speakers before me said, I only, you know, I'm trying to share something with you that I need two, three hours with, but I'll try to give it to you in 30, 30 minutes. Yeah, for me, it feels like 30 seconds anyway. So, there's something I want to share with you. There's a strange king in the book of Samuel. He's King Nahash, king of the Amorites. Ammonites. This king terrorized Israel. In those years, it was only judges. And then Israel asked for a king. They rejected the Lord. They wanted to be like the other nations. They wanted to have a king. And so God gave them King Saul. He got anointed, went back to the fields. Didn't operate as king yet, although he was anointed. And then there were two tribes, especially the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gad that was terrorized by King Nahash. And he would go over the border and gouge out the right eye of the Israelites, especially those two tribes. And then he came against a town called 
Yabesh Gilead. And he wanted to destroy that town. He came against that town. You can go read about it. I can't, for time's sake, I can't give you the script. Well, the scriptures is in 1 Samuel 10 and 11. And he came against this town and the inhabitants of that town, the Israelites said to him, we want peace, we don't want war. And so he gave them this one condition. He said, all right, I'll, do, I'll, 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 I'll let you live in peace. You can stay in your homes, you can save your lives, but on one condition only, I need to gouge out your right eye. In other words, you can keep your vision. You can still see, you've still got partial ability, but now you'll just have to give up your right eye so you can go on in peace. So the enemy would always want us to compromise something. If you go and study what the losing of one of a right eye means, scientifically, you can Google it. Many Christians believe in Google more than the Bible. You can Google it. If you lose your right eye, you lose the ability to track moving objects. You lose the ability to discern depth. You lose the ability to measure distance. That's what you lose. So the enemy is quite happy for you to, to lose not your vision, but partially something about you. To operate just partially in God, but not fully in God. Hmm. The word Nahash means serpent. Go, go, go and check it out. It means dislocator. <laughs> so the enemy just wants to do enough in your life that you are just dislocated from where reality really is in Christ. Because you see, if you, it dislocates you from the cutting edge of life. It takes you just two steps behind the, where the action is so that you cannot live and experience the Kairos moments of God in your life. Because the Kairos moments of God in your life is only found in the cutting edge of life. Nowhere else, it's not found in comfort. It's not found in ease. It's not found in not taking risks. It's found on the cutting edge of life. Don't uh, compromise. The Word of God is the highest technology. Stay in the Word, love the Word, and act on the Word. My two books. My two books are available in the bookshop. I'll be there right now to sign. So come and get your copies. This is my brand new book, The Importance of Praise. God, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.